What up? What we up? must be back with a new season, man. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. 1100 AM. That right. That and we right. got Tiff, hand in the building, H.O. and what Coach. You now about to witness the strength of sports talk radio. Let go. I can read your mind. You know it's that time. Hold up. Hold up. Boy, I'm so fly, I feel like Brent Grimes. Brent Grimes. About to kill the whole season, man. SRT got picks for days. Ain't no telling when I'm all in. Never stall in. Pass the ball in the LBJ. That's the king, fam. Woo. Been bowling since Space Jam. New logo like the LA Rams. Uh -huh. SRT next up. Big dog picks Devin Hester. And that's the word on the street. Tiff got me right like we run in the screen. Real Woo. talk, hey, now I know what I mean. We causing the scene. SRT got what you want every week. I ain't gonna say it, no. What up, what up, what up? It's the Sports Roundtable coming to you live from the SRT Studios overlooking Atlantic Station. I'm your host, and I go by the name of Smooth. And I'm sitting... J-J-J-J-J-J Smooth. There you go. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I was waiting on it. Again, I'm your host, Smooth, and, I, and I'm actually sitting in for the man himself, HM3, but you know him as Big H.O., the Bankhead legend. And the normal crew is here with me, and to the left of me is the superhero himself, Hancock. What up? What's up, brother Six? And welcome. I appreciate it's it, man. Second home, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. What's good? Oh man, I'm good, man. Just sitting in traffic, and um, shout out to Big Hope, man. He entrusted me with his child. <laughs> That's what I call it. this. Is his baby, so and he he actually entrusted me to. Come on and host the show, and you know I'm glad he did. It's always a great opportunity. Well, we always know you're gonna do that thing, G. So let's let's do this thing. Cool. And to my right, the coach himself, Nick Saban's nephew, mm -hmm. the owner of Real Talk Tees, D. Will, what up, man? What's happening, man? What up, Coop? What up? What's up, hey, man? I'm good. Smooth. What's up, brother? Oh, I'm good, man. Six man of the year filling in, man, doing this thug thizzle. Yeah, I'm good, man. They said the bridge is opening on Monday, so. I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I'm kind of excited too, but like I say, it's bringing all the traffic back. Yeah, yeah, for you it is. Yeah, I was I was riding good for a minute though. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> but but audience, welcome back to the Sports Roundtable again. I'm your host Smooth, and joining me as always a Hancock, D. Will, and I forgot. I don't know how I could forget this, but we also have Engineer Extraordinaire behind the glass. G, what up, man? <clears throat> Yo. <laughs> Yeah, audience, we can't forget about G, the man behind the glass that makes it all happen. But audience, again, welcome back. We'll give you a quick rundown. So coming up in the first hour, we'll talk about some sweeps by Golden State and the Cavaliers. Um, we got news from Kendrick Perkins. The Celtics reunite. We'll talk about Tony Romo and Dwight Howard, and we'll get into the email bag in the second half of the hour. So um, let's go ahead and get into some hot news. But yeah, it's, it's glad to see everybody. Um, I know we'll we'll get to some hot news in a second. There it is. Yeah, we'll get to it in a second. But um, you know what? Hot, 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 hot news. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Now let's start it. All right, here we go. Blazing. Scorching. Red hot. This is why I'm hot. It's, it's the, the sports, sports roundtable hot news. All right, here we go, fellas. Hot news is brought to you by the Big Easy Grill. If you're looking for the best New Orleans-style seafood in town, go see our friends at the Big Easy Grill on 1193 Collier Road 
in Atlanta, Georgia. Spend $25 or more and get a 10% discount when you mention Sports Roundtable. All right, fellas, let's go ahead and get it to question number one. The Warriors sweep the Utah Jazz and the Cavaliers sweep the Toronto Raptors. Hancock, at the moment, who looks to be the better team? You know, if you would have asked me that about two weeks ago prior to seeing, as they say, the Cavs flip the switch, right? I would have said Golden State was going to cruise through all the way through the finals. I thought that they were head and shoulders a better team, playing a better basketball. But honestly, to be honest with you, uh, LeBron has turned it up. Yeah, he has. Now, you can say that they played lesser competition over there in the East, but he's done to that lesser competition what you would want them to do. And that's just basically take Toronto out of the series. So, if you, like I said, if you were going to ask me a couple of weeks back, I would have said Golden State. Right now, it's a little bit tight. I still give the edge to Golden State because I think LeBron will have to, has to play so many heavy minutes and, and really carry that team so hard right now. But it's going to be a good finals, I believe. So, right now, I'll still give the slight edge to Golden State. Okay. D, what about you? I, I would have to agree. Um, Cleveland has turned it on. Yeah. And and I, I'm not even going to say Cleveland. LeBron. LeBron James is showing I am the greatest player in the world. Like, he, he is he's, – he's virtually unstoppable. Like, nobody on the – he – the three-point shot, exactly. But here's the thing. Everybody's saying the lesser competition. When when Toronto got Ibaka, the only thing you heard was Toronto can beat Cleveland. Toronto can give Cleveland a run for their money. Boston can give Cleveland a run for their money. All these teams can give But once they hit the playoffs and, the the like Hancock just said, they flip the switch back on. Once they flip the switch back on, they say you show you can see that nobody can play with them. And it's the same thing on the West. When you got the two teams that are on a collision course for the finals and they are 16 and 0 combined in the first two rounds of the playoffs, it's kind of the writing's on the wall. Like there's nothing else to say. There's yeah. really nothing else to say. Yeah, I agree. And we'll actually get into that later on in the second hour of the show. But all right, let's go to question two. D, so according to Kendrick Perkins, who, audience, if you don't know, he's been out of the league the last couple of years. As he should. He's the worst player to ever get drafted, but continue. Yeah, I agree. Fakest tough guy ever, continue. Right. But, Ugly, continue. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just. But according to Kendrick Perkins, who appeared on Kevin Garnett's Area 21 segment, which comes on TNT, he brokered a call between Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, and he says they're speaking again. D, what's your thoughts on that? Um... I'm going to be honest with you. I think the media played this feud up more than it was actually anyway. I think this was a media-driven feud. Now, I'm not saying that KD and Russ were talking because they probably weren't. But to say they actually had beef with one another where they couldn't be in the same room or they 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 actually had real animosity towards each other, I never think it was that. I think Russell was upset with Kevin that he left the way he did without communicating that he was leaving. True enough, you should be mad about that. But you he can't really be upset with KD for bettering his situation. I you agree. understand? Like, how are you going to get mad at somebody for trying to better themselves, okay? So I really think it was it was played up by the media, but here's the good part about it. The reunion wasn't played out in the media. Most reunions, as soon as they happen, like if Kendrick Perkins would have came out, because this happened back in April, okay? This was reported it happened around April 10th, somewhere around there. When he got the, when when he he got got the, the uh, triple-double. When he broke the triple-double. He, that's what it, but here's the thing. Kendrick Perkins could have came out and said it before it even happened. Hey, I'm a re, I'm reaching out to KD so he can reach out to Russell to congratulate him. And then 
the four-letter network can grab it and run with it, okay? But that wasn't the case. What happened was it was behind closed doors. They had a conversation. And over a month later, when Kendrick Perkins actually has a reason to speak, <laughs> he comes out and he says it. Now, I still don't think he should have said it. But I, like I said, I think he's trying to get – because what is Kendrick Perkins doing now? You see no. what I'm saying? Thank you. I think he's trying to get something. He might want to be on TV. He might. He's looking for something for him to be for him to come out with that information because that's against that's against the code. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you what's what's talked behind closed doors don't need to be spoken out in public. So I, I don't know what his motives are, but I think it's a good thing that they're talking again. And I never think the feud was as bad as it actually was played out in the media. Yeah. Hey, Cog, what does Kendrick Perkins have to gain in this whole thing? I, he just, look, he just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Right. And the question was kind of broken or posed or whatever at that time. And he had some inside information. Great, you know, good for him. Good, right time, right place. Uh, I do take a little bit different spin. I think that the media did drive a lot of this because, it, let's, let's just be honest, any kind of controversy or whatever sells. And, right. and it, 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 Gets everybody, you know, antenna up. You want to hear about it. You want to read about anything negative. But the media had nothing to do with him telling Durant, I'm coming. And right. Durant saying, you're still losing. Right. And them not speaking and him shooting on the other end of the court during the uh, All-Star game, not wanting to be around him. And so I think it's still, I think it was something there. Don't get me wrong. I still think it was something there. I think Russ was hurt. Yeah, his feelings. Yeah, his yeah. feelings was hurt. Like like we said before, it was like, you know, you not only broke up with me and got another girlfriend, you got a beautiful girlfriend. Whew, she bad. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? He went and got Golden State. And you flown on Instagram. Yeah, he got that. Right. He got, besides LeBron, you know, he got the best looking woman in the, in the league. He mm-hmm. did. So I agree with you. That hurt, you know, that we were going to do this. You and I had talked about this. We were going to make this marriage great. We were going to have kids and you know, have them send them out to grandma. We're going to take vacations, all this kind of stuff. And all that went away. Yeah. You know, it broke up and he, he got served them papers and that was a wrap. Yeah. yeah. So it is what it is. Do you have any thoughts on it? Well, like I said, I think it was it was overplayed. It was hyped up a little bit too much. Uh, like, I know they're only going to, they're going to play each other four times, but to try to like drum up the same storyline four times, it got old and I kind of forgot about it and, I mean, it's nice that they're speaking again. I mean, that's cool. But as far as Kendrick Perkins saying that uh, Kevin Durant's going to go back to Oklahoma City, I know I've never been to uh, Oakland or San Francisco, but I've been to Oklahoma City. He has no reason to go back. (laughs) Wow. Well, I guess it's different than where LeBron grew up in that area, so that's why he went back right. to Cleveland over Miami plus the Pat Riley situation. So I, I understand what you're saying. But what about the bond and everything that he had developed in Oklahoma City with the fans? And, you know, he had spent millions of dollars, you know, helping to revitalize after tornadoes and all that. So he was a yeah. big, big part of that community. You yeah. look at him, he grew up basically as an Oklahoma. I mean, you're saying he, his manhood. He came into his manhood. As an Oklahoma City Thunder, yeah. Well, not so only, does, not on, well, not only that is he was, he's the face of that, of basketball in that town. Exactly. So, so do he, you think? Yeah, he's the first one. In that up. respect, I'm asking, I'm posing this to you, G. How much would that mean to go back to Oklahoma City and lead them to a title? Probably not much. It, I, I feel like it wouldn't mean very so? much. I mean, like other things would have to change. It can't just be. 
if Kevin Durant went back there after next season, okay, there's Russell Westbrook and what else? It's basically the they same team. They don't need nothing else. I'm going to be honest. They don't need nothing else. They were one or two players away from going to the finals last year. And they've already been before together. You know? Yeah, but who do they have at the time? They, they had Ibaka. They had yeah. James Harden when they went to the finals. It, he can't go back there and it just be him and Russ again. Yeah. That's why I think that's part of why he left in the first place. It can't just be us two. We need more. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just wondering: is it a possibility of him going back there? I think he goes back there and wins a title. It blows the legacy up for him. His legacy is just blown to a bigger stage. You understand what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's a bigger situation than him tagging on with Golden State and winning the title. Yeah, you I, what I'm I, but I, so if he goes back there and wins with that crowd, he will always be the man in that area to yeah. go back and help win a title. And I just think the legacies, you know, I think he does need to win a title with Golden State because he's going to look oh, bad. He got if they to don't. go. He got to get one. But going back there to win one, I think would really and, push him to a different. And level. I and I see your angle. I see where you're coming from. But I think. I don't think Kevin Durant cares anything about it. I honestly did too, G. But how, at this time last year, could you look me in my eye and say he was going to go to state? I couldn't say he was going to I go to state, but I could say he was leaving OKC. I didn't even see him leave. I thought he was. I knew he was gone. Did I, y'all feel it? I did. That's just I felt he no. was leaving. You didn't? I didn't. I saw. I saw Golden State as a possibility because they could afford him. It was but, once they start kept talking about it. I felt it, but I, I didn't even see it at first. Yeah, I wow. didn't. I didn't see. I didn't see Golden State, but I. I knew he wasn't going back to OKC. And because my thing is, he started off in Seattle. His his rookie year, they were the Super Suns. Right. They moved the next year. Exactly. And so I don't and, and, and like you said, he was tied into that community. He 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 was loyal. Yeah. He did a lot. He did a lot for them. But I don't think he had and if you go back and look at old Kevin Durant tweets and posts and stuff, he's saying Thunder up, all of this type of stuff. But I also think he don't care about OKC. Yeah, no, I, 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 think he well, I don't think, I think so. He well, well, fellas, we'll find out soon enough. We'll see if he goes back or not. But we got to move on to question three. So, recently on Kevin Garnett's Area Twenty One segment, the two thousand eight World Champion Celtics reunited and discussed their feelings about Ray Allen going to Miami. D, what are your thoughts on that? Their feelings. Um, I I can't say what I want to say. I'm, I forgot. <laughs> The, uh, what they call it? The F, what they call G? The FCC. Yeah, the FCC. The, powers, come, that be, the powers that be will come get me if I give my outside opinion. So right. I'm gonna give you my inside opinion. And Ray Allen shouldn't care, in my opinion, because they sounded like bitter girlfriends to me. You know what I'm saying? They sound. They didn't sound mad. That if okay, let me say it like this: If Ray Allen would have left. And never won anything, he would be there today for the for the ten year reunion. He would be there, but since he went to Miami and got championships, and he has more championships than those two, they got a problem with it. And we know KG. KG is loyal to a fault. He was loyal to a fault in Minnesota because he stayed there too long. He was loyal in Boston, and when Ray Allen, if if you cross KG, there's no coming back. All right, I understand that, but. We're talking about a reunion. Y'all don't win that championship without Ray Allen. And I'm going to tell you, it's not KG. It's not Paul Pierce. It's not Kendrick Perkins. It's not Tony. It ain't nobody on that team. You know who the issue is with? Who was that? Ray John Rondo. Mm. Ray John Rondo is the reason that Ray Allen is not in the building. 
KG would pick up. Listen, if Ray wanted to come and, and Rondo wasn't there, it would be cool. But Rondo does not like Ray Allen. Hancock, what about your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, Puffy had a, a term a while back when he was doing this little thing called some ness. Right. I, I can't say what it is, a BA ness. Yeah. yeah. And that's what this is. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, and it's a lot of it that runs rampant in the NBA and, and, and in society as a whole. Look, Ray did what he had to do because it wasn't working in Boston. That is the most fake dynasty with KG Limited. They won Woo! one title. Talk to <laughs> me. Talk to me. They act like they were the old Celtics that won 10 out of – they won one title. And went to yeah. the finals, what, twice? Twice. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like they were some super team for years. Yeah. And, you know, at the time he left, pretty much the run was over. Yeah. And Ray, they had already started to move in. Uh, what's the little guard out of Texas? Avery Bradley. Uh, yeah. Avery Bradley was starting to get his time anyway. Yep. yep. Ray wasn't even starting at the time. Yep. You see what I'm saying? So it was, it was, it was past. It was done. Now, if you want to be mad because you know they didn't, he didn't give the courtesy to tell man, them, "Hey, look, man, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about making a move." Okay, that's cool. But you cannot sit there and say. How you gonna throw out the title we won? Mm-hmm. We we were we were brothers then. Yeah. yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I left now and I didn't do it the way you wanted me to. The do way it. you wanted me to do it. Now you got a problem, right? And so look, it, it the run was over. It's the fakest dynasty in sports. Yeah. You know, like they like I said, like they won title after title. So get over it. Yeah. And not only that, the title was in 08. Ray Allen didn't leave the 2012. That's what I'm trying to say. So y'all played four more years together without winning. So what's the beef? Right, exactly. All right, fellas, here we go. Question four. Hancock, CBS's new lead NFL analyst, UNG's boy, Tony Romo, fell six shots short of advancing in the qualifying rounds for the U.S. Open. What's your thoughts on that? Romo is a real nice golfer. And eventually I think he will, if not, you know, make this whatever. I, he might even play on the senior tour because I think he's that good an athlete. Right. He might even have a chance to qualify and make the senior tour before it's over. Uh, I heard he had a couple of blow-up holes that cost him <clears throat> and ended up, you know, fell, what you said, six shots so, short. So, you know, one, two holes can do that. Mm-hmm. But he was close. He was right there if you look at it. So, you know, you got to tip your hat to him. Golf is a game of concentration and skill. It's not sport. Yeah. If I can play it still. <laughs> Gee, I know this your Paul. What's your it. thoughts? Uh, it's, it, well, it's cool that he was only six shots short. I, I feel like he just like walked off the street onto the golf course, like right after retiring. I know he he plays golf, but how much time do you really have to play? Oh, he has a lot. Well, now, yeah. no, no, I'm saying during the season, football. You gotta understand, football and basketball players have a lot of spare time. Like you don't, they don't spend 18 hours or eight or 10, 12 hours at their profession. They go to practice for two hours. They go to treatment for two hours. And the, the other 20 hours are theirs. You got to understand that. You see what I'm saying? They're not at the building. I think everybody's still quarterbacks, though. I don't think so. I think they, 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 they may spend long. six. They may spend six. You gotta, they don't they don't work eight-hour days. Just don't happen. So they got he got a lot of time to play golf. Wow. Just a quick mm-hmm. note. Tony Romo, he actually 
He last attempted to qualify for the U.S. Open in 2011, and in 2010, he advanced to the sectional qualifiers. Yeah, see, he's, he's, he's getting there. He can do so that, he, he got enough time, G. Yeah. He playing all that doggone golf. Yep. He definitely has more time to commit to it now. So yeah, exactly. He, oh, he got his life. Yeah, he, he took a little flack for trying to qualify while he was playing, though. Right. He did. He, he did. A lot. A lot. Hey, but uh, not, to, not to digress or change the subject, but why are the Tony Romo types, i.e., Jay Cutler getting these jobs. You hear me say? Mm. How does Jay Cutler retire and go straight to the booth? Somebody explain that to me. I think the timing was just perfect for him. Be be honest. I I mean, I don't think he's done anything to deserve. Have you even seen him do anything? His personality is terrible. That's what got me is like, we didn't see him on the NFL Network doing stuff. Nothing. We didn't see him doing anything during the playoffs. We saw him get bad interviews. Guest guest interviews or something. He didn't do Jalen Rose. Yeah. And now to be elevated to what? The third, second or third team? He's on the second team. Second. I I just don't understand it. I, I, I don't understand it. But that's just me. Right. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, question five. Atlanta Hawks center Dwight Howard was pulled over for speeding around 2 a.m. early Friday, April 28th, before the Hawks lost in game six to the Wizards. D, does this explain Dwight Howard's poor game six performance? Nah, it don't explain nothing. Explain Coach Bud did not know how to use Dwight Howard. Coach Bud got a big man and had no idea what to do with him. And didn't want that. And di- Listen, and that's the reason we're seeing the division in the front office right now with Coach Bud taking a lesser role and then moving Wes Wilcox. What's his name? Wes Wilcox? Yep. Moving him out. That's why we're seeing this because some people wanted Dwight Howard. Coach Bud did not want Dwight Howard. So that's where the conflict came. And so I'm not, the, I'm not uh, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not a Dwight Howard fan, okay? I I believe he is the biggest waste of talent we've seen in the last 20 years in the NBA. Wow. The biggest waste of talent. He should have been Shaq, Hakeem, Patrick. You know, he should have been considered with all of those guys. Granted, he did get the back injury, but prior to the back injury, you already saw the fall off. Pre-back injury, you saw the fall off. So my point is, for you to have someone like that on your team and then not utilize them to the best of their abilities to help your team – that's a detriment to the coaching. I don't and, and two o'clock in the morning speeding. What was he in? Like a Maserati or a Ferrari or something? An Audi RS seven. Uh, Audi A seven. Yep. Oh my RS RS seven. That's even, that's the super sport. Yeah. You can put your foot on the gas, your pinky toe on the gas, and go seventy. You see what I'm saying? He so, didn't have a license though. Did he? Well, no, no, he didn't have insurance or well, registration. Was no insurance yeah. or registration. Yeah, uh, he shouldn't have been behind the wheel, and he shouldn't have been able to drive home. Right? Oh, they no, they, they, they told, told his car. They told, they told his no, car. There was another car following him that he, he got oh, in the car and went with. Oh wow. yeah, he was supposed to get a free ride with them. Wow. Well, uh, he wasn't intoxicated. He was driving revoked. Well, here's the he thing, Hancock. Here's the thing. I understand that, but. It's not like Dwight Howard can't afford insurance. I understand that. Well, they didn't say he didn't have insurance. They just said registration, right? Hey, yeah, it was, uh, it was hey, insurance. No insurance. Oh, it was insurance. insurance. Okay, yeah. well, he shouldn't have been driving. Yeah. I take that back. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm mad that he got off. I'm surprised he got off. And I'm happy he got off. But, uh, hey, just another bad decision by somebody who really doesn't take a lot of things serious. But here's the th- he got so much money. He buys so many cars probably. That's probably a car he probably had stashed somewhere that he just jumped in that night. 
You see yeah. what I'm saying? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm making excuses for him. Granted, okay, so I understand any backlash I get, I'm making excuses. But still, it's not like the White House can't afford insurance and registration. I yeah. just, I just hey, want to add that. I think it's... You need to see that Rodney King video. <laughs> they, um, I'm just, I'm just saying. He things, is the White House. Things go back. He is the White House. Things can't go back. He's six eleven, two hundred pounds. I ain't gonna fight him. But hey. at least, at least it was just it's strength in numbers, D. It was just speeding and not, you know, he was driving drunk or anything. Because if he went out, if he had this and he was drunk and he was able to play and he went like two for 15 or something like that would be surprising that he even gets 15 shots yeah he ain't getting that <laughs> i think he only got like five so uh it, it's it was a speeding ticket yeah but it's not that big a deal. it's really. not that big of a deal that's my point i understand that the consequences could have been big the optics look bad though man i mean come on you yeah well look bad because it's dwight howard and, and that's you, my point you yeah. are he's already a, a polarizing exactly. figure don't so, bring yeah. any more negative things to yourself unforced yeah. error true yeah. Well, just a quick note on Dwight Howard. He averaged only 8 points and 10.7 rebounds in 26 minutes for the series. And That's he, Coach Bud, man. That's not Dwight. Yeah. And he averaged a career-low 13.5 points per game this season. You got to put him in a better situation, got man. To. You got to put some more shooters around him to give him more space. He's not, like I said, you're not going to throw it to him on the block and he's going to get you those points. He needs to come up, set a high screen, and roll to the basket. Get him some lobs, get him things like that. He gets some putbacks, let him touch it that way. Because other than that, he's not your traditional center anyway. Yeah, well, and Dwight can no longer give you 25 a night from the post. Back in the day, he could. Yeah, just with a turn and jump hook. Exactly. And and, and here's the thing with Dwight. He's so big that – to have him do what he does great, which is play defense and rebound, you got to run the offense through him. You got to let him touch it Exactly. Sometimes. Not for him to score. Just let him touch it. Exactly, man. Keep him happy. Keep the big man happy. Exactly. And he can play. It. Now, listen, we saw him get 20 boards in five yeah. blocks this year. I'm, I'm going to put it just like this. Put him in JaVale McGee's place Woo! with Golden State right Woo! now. Yeah. He's an all-star. You see what I'm saying? They got five all-stars. Thank you. That's that's my point. Think of him playing that position, what Ooh. JaVale is doing. Or, or, or even you you could put change him out with, with DeAndre Jordan. Same thing. That's all I'm saying. You just got to put him in right the right situation. He needs to be playing where he's not the lead guy or even looked upon as that. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, you could put, probably put 20 and 10 in there every night. Every night. he's playing with a team that – Utilizing and I hate that people act like he's not capable of 20 and 10 oh, no more. Without a doubt, he can do that. Come on, easy, in his sleep. He got yeah. 13 and 9 and didn't even get the ball. Yeah. So, all right, well, we'll see what happens with Dwight. But all right, audience, that's it for hot news. And um, we'll take a quick break. But keep it locked here on the Sports Roundtable. We'll be back with more Sports Roundtable on the Worldwide Radio Network. There's a lot going on in the world, and your world is always changing. That's why it's important to stay connected. The latest news, the latest entertainment, the newest music. If it's in the air or on the air, it can be in the palm of your hand, wherever you are, with the iHeartRadio app. iHeartRadio. Over 1,500 live radio stations from across the country and over 15 million songs to create your own custom stations. Text IHR to 45495 to download the app or listen at iHeartRadio.com. Standard text and data rates apply. Dad, I'm really afraid of what's happening with the economy. There's too much civil unrest, too much terrorism, and unstable global markets. I'm tired of riding the ups and downs of the market. It reminds me of 2008. I was caught off guard then. How do I prepare for the worst now? 
What'll I do if the dollar collapses? You gotta stop worrying, son, and take action. It's time to think about a precious metals private storage IRA or uh, an investment in silver with the Gold Silver Group. Like I said before, you insure your house, your car, your kids, and your life. Don't you think it's time to insure your wealth? Call Gold Silver Group at 800-943-0834. Learn how easy it is to set up your own precious metals private storage IRA and how you can qualify for up to $700 in free silver. Gold Silver Group can satisfy any of your precious metals investment needs. Receive your gold and silver fully insured and privately delivered to your door. Call Gold Silver Group, 800-943-0834, 800-943-0834. Sports, Sports. Roundtable. Roundtable. If Twitter was back in the day in high school, what would your Twitter handle be? Uh, this is going to, might go over a lot of people's head, but I graduated out high school in 98 before before the change and upgrade. So my Twitter handle would have been that good, good Reggie. <laughs> Only on WWE 1100 AM. What up, what up? Welcome back to the second part of the first hour of the Sports Roundtable. All right, we'll go ahead and jump into some email bag questions and the email bag is sponsored by Jay's Used Cars. If you're looking for a new, pre-owned, or used car, contact our friends at Jay's Used Cars. They're located at 3820 Lawrenceville Highway, Tucker, Georgia. Give them a call at 770-496-0339. Mention Sports Roundtable and get a 10% discount. You can also view the inventory at jaysusedcars.com. All right, here we go, fellas. Let's go ahead and get into the email bag questions. You've got mail. All right, first up, Hancock, who do you think was the steal of the draft? I said it the night of the draft, and I'll say it until they kick off in the beginning of what it was, September they kick off? Whatever. Yeah. Reuben Foster. There you go. And I say Reuben Foster because he fell to 31 about, say, you know, it's all kind of rumors, something about his shoulders or whatever. He didn't like what happened at the combine. Whatever. Doesn't matter to me. To me, him going to the 49ers, you kind of solidified your middle of your defense or wherever you're going to play him. He, he's a stud. You talk about maybe, I, I won't even put a name out there. Let's just say I think you'll have a perennial pro bowler right there at that position with that guy. And I think a lot of, lot of teams are going to look back with regret as in the likes of Warren Sapp, Randy Moss, those type of athletes that Tom Brady, you had a chance to get and you let him get away because of something, you know, whether you worried about a a, a failure, it wasn't even a failure sample, a diluted diluted sample or, you know, and then my thing with the Falcons was they passed on, they had a chance to get him, but they go and get uh, attacked. McKinley, McKinley, yeah. And he has injuries as a, as a rotator cuff or yep. something like that. So if you worry about injuries, okay, don't don't tell me you worry about injuries when you take him. It had to be something else that you didn't want or that you didn't like. Because you cannot tell me that you would take a guy, well, wouldn't take a guy who's played on probably the best defense in the last two to three years yeah. since he's been playing in Alabama and go get a guy from UCLA who's a good good football player. Don't get me wrong. And I say that, but I have to also put a caveat on it because I felt the same way 
last year when they picked the safety and Keanu Neal, and he turned out to be just what they wanted with his defense. So in that respect, I got to kind of take a backseat a little bit. But you asked me about stealing the draft. I say Ruben Foster. What's interesting with Ruben Foster is that the 49ers were ready to take him at number two. Yeah, exactly. They were ready to take him number two, but then Chicago made that trade. Like, well, we got to – I mean, we like Solomon Thomas. And, you know, if you want to give us these picks, Chicago, yeah, mm-hmm. let's do I'll that. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. B, what about you? Yeah, um, I'm going to go a little bit um, – I'm going to go a little bit deeper. And I've said it several times on this show. He was a first-round talent that got hurt late in the year that dropped in the draft. And that is uh, Eddie Jackson. Fourth round, pick 112 to the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears, granted, they are the Chicago Bears. Okay? I'm I'm not – I understand their pass defense is horrific. They don't have a quarterback. They're probably going to be one of the – two bottom teams in the NFL this year, probably roster-wise. But when you can solidify your back end, which is one of the most important parts of your defense, you got you to gotta clear your corners, you got to get your back end straight. They just got their back end straight with a first-round talent that they picked up in the fourth round. All right, And I believe if I was anybody else, I would have reached for him because not only are you getting a person who at Alabama – Let's talk about it. He went to Alabama. He played corner. He played safety. He returned punts. He did it all. So you're getting someone who is versatile on the back end that you can move around. You can put him on the slot. You can put him out on the edge. You can put him at free safety. You can move him up into the box at strong safety. It's so much that he can do, and he can help you in special teams. So to pick that up in the fourth round, and typically in the fourth round, you're not looking for a starter. They got them a perennial potential pro bowler at that position for time to come in the fourth round. So I believe that was the steal of the draft. G, what about you? Did you have one? Uh, I wanted to say, even though a lot of people may not uh, really agree with it, I think the Browns took a step in the right direction. <laughs> you know, it, you don't it, have to explain this one. It, I mean, look, <laughs> it's easy to do when you only had one win last year, uh. but they got the guy who's rated as the best defensive uh, in the best defensive lineman in the draft. They got a a player who can. I think I think uh, Jabril Peppers is a playmaker. Whether he plays linebacker or safety, I think he will make plays for them. And they got their they got a quarterback to where they can groom him at least for a while. That buys Hughes Jackson some time. They're going to be stuck starting Brock Osweiler, I think, or Kessler or whoever else they got. It's not going to be Deshaun Kaiser starting, but. I think he could be the future of their team, and they got they got him with value in the second round. So I think they're taking a step in the right direction. But I think they took a step in the right direction. I don't. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> saying I'm sure they did. I think they did. It, it feels better than what they did with other drafts. They didn't reach for a quarterback that was questionable, like a Johnny Manziel who's immature, or a Brandon Whedon who was really old. So I think they they took their time and they made a really good pick for okay. the quarterback. Well, I'm sure Browns fans were glad to hear that. We'll see what happens next year. And, D, which NFL team had the best draft, in your opinion? I'm going to have to go with San Francisco, to be honest with you. Like, not only for the picks that were made, but for that that deal that they got from Chicago. That That's awesome to pick. Well, I think they picked up, what, a third rounder this year, a third, round, a third rounder next year, and their first rounder? Come, come, you can't beat it. 
You really, and then you get Ruben Foster at thirty-one. Like that was a great draft by the San Francisco 49ers. And I, I on this show, I know we've given a lot of flat to um to uh, John Lynch being a new GM and never been doing that job, but he had a hell of a draft for his first time for his first go around. He did. Same. I thought San Francisco won the draft. Uh, they got Solomon Thomas, a guy that they want, which they're looking at to be their Warren Sapp. Then on the middle, they got the Derek. Uh, can't you think of my man name that played at Florida State that that was the linebacker? Uh, oh, yeah. G pull it up. Keep going. G got anyway, you. they got their linebacker position. So they they're building that way. If they want to build in that triangle and and kind of go with that Tampa Bay model, mm-hmm. they're going to look for their John Lynch. He's going to look for his type of safety that will come down, be able to really. Come down in that box and, and and solidify the run, and he probably will play the Tampa too, where they'll bend a lot but won't break and then play defense mm-hmm. in the red zone. So that's, I think they had the solid draft. I think they got some of the pieces to build toward the future, and they also got future picks. So to me, they made they made the best best out of the situation. And like you say, for for that Tampa too, you need a versatile sideline to sideline lab, linebacker, a Derrick Brooks type, and you that's got who that. I was trying to, Derrick Brooks. That's that, who I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. And then the mode of the Derrick Brooks is what they got in Ruben Foster. In Ruben Foster. Yeah. So they got their, like I said, they got their Warren Sapp, they got their Derrick Brooks. Work on your safety now and continue on. I think they'll build that defense. Defense will be the first thing because he's already seen how they did it in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. They did it with defense and the offense came along. So that's that's the way I think he's going to run it. Yeah. Still got to get a quarterback. All right. We'll go to the next email and this one is actually from Johnny from Cleveland. You've got mail. All right, Johnny from Cleveland wants to know, <laughs> hey fellas, which team do you expect to make the biggest jump next season? I've been saying it for a couple of years, but and I, this might sound crazy, but with the addition of Leonard Fournette, mm. watch Jacksonville. Mm. Jacksonville Ooh. I think will be that team, especially playing in that that AFC South that yeah. is I mean, look at the teams in there. Yeah, it's, it's so if you look at what's in there, what they'll be fighting against, they have a good chance. I think they've all, they got a lot of young talent. They just have not been able to put it together. Now, whether that's coaching, I think that has a lot to do with it. And a lot. Then your quarterback situation, but sometimes things happen. And I'm telling you, I, there are some pieces down there in Jacksonville. Remember, I'm saying it now. They're the team I think they'll make the biggest jump. Hey, y'all heard him say I'm saying that now? He said that last year too. He was just a year early. No, I said well, <laughs> last year I was on somebody who was that on. Uh, I feel to come to me. Well, we, 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 yeah, Jack. We were on Jacksonville. Well, that might have been two seasons ago. It might have when, been when two. they when they drafted the kid out of Florida and tore his knee up. And it might have been. Yeah, it might have been. We were we ago. were like Jacksonville is once because because uh, um the quarterback what's his name Bortles. 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 He had a good year leading into that two yeah. years ago. Yeah. Right. So we were like, okay, Blake Bortles might yeah. turn the corner. Yeah. They they getting the defense together, and then you got towards yeah. knee up. And but I, I I agree with that. But I'm sorry. What, what was my guy name from Cleveland? Johnny. Johnny from yeah. Cleveland. Yeah, Johnny. I'm sorry, Cleveland. but we ain't gonna say Cleveland. I know that's what you want to hear, <laughs> but we're not gonna say that. Okay, Johnny. But um, I would. I, I, it'll be redundant to say San Francisco just because I like them and they still don't have a quarterback. But I just like the pieces they put together. So I'm just gonna go outside the box and say, and it's kind of a it's kind of a leaner and and people here in Atlanta ain't gonna like it. I'm like I'm liking Tampa Bay, man. And, and I know I think we were a year early on them last year. We were high and thinking, okay, Jameis, another year they're gonna turn the corner. But they made some moves at the wide receiver position in this draft. 
that's really going to help them and help him develop as a quarterback. And I, if I'm going to say a surprise team, they're not much of a surprise because they were competitive last year. But I think I think the, NF, the NFC South is going to be one of the most competitive divisions in football next year. You got Atlanta coming back off the, uh, off the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay is better. Even though the Saints are – they're not really good right now. They're still the Saints, and they can put up points. They're gonna all, even though they got rid of Brandon Cooks, but adding adding uh, AP AD, that's gonna make a difference. Okay, so I, you can't just sleep on them. So I believe the NFC South, and I'm just gonna take Tampa Bay as my as my as my sleeper sneaker team. Do you got one? Um, well, I don't know if it'll be like they're gonna take a step, but I think they're gonna bounce back. Someone from the NFC South, I think Carolina is poised to to bounce back. Uh, they have they got the running back. I guess it's the one they wanted. It's not the one that anyone really expected, but they got the one they wanted, and um, they'll have they'll be more of an off. They'll be more diversity on offense for Cam Newton. He doesn't always have to run it on third and short. He can hand it to somebody. And, uh, and they also drafted Curtis Samuel in the second round, so mm-hmm. he has another receiver to work with. So I'm expecting the offense to be better and the defense to be uh, fully healthy. I know how old Julius Peppers is, but he's still out. There. He is still productive for them. Now he ain't even 37, like, and that ain't old. He's still going to make some plays from if he plays the end or the linebacker. <laughs> I'm 37, y'all. <laughs> Yeah, so so I'm expecting um I, I'm expecting them to bounce back from last season. Hey, but we got one from uh from Facebook Live. My man Calvin Green said, and and Smooth get ready to smile. He said the Titans. There you go. He said the Titans are a team that's going to take a step forward because they made they made good moves in the off season. And Mariota has a another year, and they got my boy back, back there. Tony injury has has the injury coming back. From? Oh, he's he should be ready. They're expecting him to be ready. It was a bone or was it a knee? It was the I want to say it was around the ankle. It wasn't an Achilles, but it was in the leg, somewhere in the lower leg, lower leg. area. Yeah, yeah. So, it is. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's go to the next email bag question, and this one is from Bud from Atlanta. You've got mail. All right, Bud. Here we go. Bud wants to know: Is Joe Dumars the answer to the Hawks' GM vacancy? D, what you think? Oh, I'm gonna let Hancock go first, and I'm gonna Hancock. piggyback. I'm not sure because. <laughs> You know, you know the, the the funny line is he picked Darko Milicic. Okay, cool. I'm I'm not even gonna go. Oh, there. you know he was going. There. I knew he was going there. I just don't know how he's gonna. You know his philosophy as far as basketball now. I want someone that's gonna mesh with whatever Bud wants to do. If Bud is gonna be your coach, you need to find some kind of general manager that takes into account what Bud does. It it makes no sense to try to fit a square peg in a round hole. They have to mesh. I have to get you the type of players that you can be successful with. And looking at what Bud does, I don't know I don't know if Dumars will fit that. You know what I'm saying? Normally a general manager wants to have the guy you know come in after him. If you bring mm-hmm. in a general manager He want to help pick that guy. Exactly. He wants to have that guy so they'll have the right type of philosophy. Now if you if in this way, I think you need to work backward and find someone who Bud kind of feel, feels comfortable with and has some kind of kinship with. So, you know, Dumars, I'm not sure. I and mean, he's had some success, but that was, you know, a long time ago. Yeah, and it was mild, and it was for a short run. But you know, it won one title. Exactly, and they and 
Now they went to what six finals? What how many six Eastern Conference Eastern Conference finals in a row? But okay. they only went to what two finals? Yeah. So and one title. So I ain't saying much, but and then he did. He does have that folk that horrible, horrible, horrible pick of Darko Milicic. So yeah, so mellow, man. Exactly. So here's the thing. I, I'm not saying Joe Dumars would be a bad pick. I think it may be a good pick just because of his pedigree. He has good pedigree. He's done the job before. But I'm going to tell y'all something that what I think about. This is what this this whole Atlanta Hawks scenario is hitting me with one thing. I don't think Coach Bud's going to be there much longer. Woo. I think the seat just heated up. Because here's my thing. He he won the, the 60 games and had a the, the historic season, right? Came back after that and they were mediocre again, got back to the playoffs, got swept again by Cleveland. So he got swept two years in a row by Cleveland after coming off a of 60. You know, even it was in the Eastern Conference Finals. But still, I think with the, the diminishing of his role, the stripping of his title, and bringing in new blood, if he doesn't get it done next year, that seat going to heat up. And not from the fan aspect, but from inside the house. We got new ownership. We finna have a new GM. And it's about to be turnover on the roster. And a new building that they're claiming. It's not a new building, but they're renovating. They're renovating Phillips. And it's going to be different. So my thing is, Bud is not. He Bud is more on the Bill Belichick side of media than he is of an outspoken coach. He's really monotone, mundane, not a big personality. So I'm going to tell you like this. Bud better win and win fast or that seat's going to heat up. And the writing is on the wall with the moves that have been made that the seat might be a little warm. Well, I got a question for you for the, on that. He, you said, like, he needs to he needs to win or he needs to get it done. What What is the – what would you expect there? Because this year they were the, what, five seed? Yeah. Last year they were the four seed. And the year before that, too. And the year before that, they that's when they won 60 games. They were the one seed. Mm-hmm. So do you think – like, this year they won 43 games. Do they need to win more than that? Do they need to break 50? Do they need to be a top three seed? I'm going to tell you what, what they need to do. I mean, you can't say like, oh, you need to reach the each of the conference finals or win the championship. That's just unrealistic. But what would help him keep his job? What would help him keep his job is get to the Eastern Conference Finals and be competitive. Go to a game seven. Don't get swept every year you get there. When you get to the Eastern Conference Finals, you're expected to, if you're going to lose, lose 4-2. Win, two, win your two home games. You get two home, win those two home. You got to be competitive because my thing is if he goes and has another first-round exit, another 43-win season with a first-round exit and he's un- not competitive in that series, I think he's out. Well, he, you might as well go ahead and give him a ticket. There because you go. Because the thing is, <laughs> Milwaukee's getting better. Better. Yeah. Philly's going to be better in a, in a while. Uh, Cleveland's not going anywhere. Nope. I mean, Boston and also Boston, consider. I mean, watch. I mean, all these teams. Are you still have to have. consider like what players. If Millsap is going to opt out, is he going to resign? Oh yeah, he's going to get paid. But see, this is this is my point on it the whole time. When I kept saying blow it up, two three years ago, you blow it up because look at uh, look at all the team. You had a team that won sixty games. You had four players that went to the All Star game. Out of that five that went to the Eastern Conference Final, you got one player left. So you still blew it up, blow it up, whatever. You blew it. It got blown up regardless. So you should have gone and gotten rid of him when you could have gotten stuff back. Al walked for nothing. You basically Jeff T for nothing. You see what I'm saying? 
and uh, the other boy left for nothing. I'm sorry, uh, Demari Carr left. For yeah, nothing. nothing. Yeah. So you lost three starters for nothing, for nothing. So you should have made moves. That was my point on it. But you know, who's to blame though? Well, it's Bud to blame. Thank you, because he was the man that was in charge of the whole process. And this is what I was saying about when you are the coach and GM, you develop a friend. You develop, I won't say a friendship, but a closeness with your players. So you won't pull that trigger. Now, GM has that space between them. So he'll pull that trigger and say, no, he has to go. And if somebody would have done that with Al, think of the, if, if you'd have made that move and got draft picks back or whatever for Al, think of the people coming out this year. Mm. Think of the team. Think of yeah. the talent that's coming out. Because this would be the draft that you picked up your picks. That's what I'm saying. So that's that's why I was saying move. You had to move when it was time to move. It. And now you're sitting here in, in that same mediocre state, space that I keep talking about, where you're not bad enough to pick high draft picks, but you're not good enough to advance in the playoffs. So you're just stuck in no man's land. So you should have moved them. You got, you lost four people anyway. And now, if you pay Paul Millsap. That Max, because you remember now, they can pay him seventy more million than oh, anybody else. Oh my goodness! Now you want to tie out? yourself to that player who has seen his better days. Like I said, he's not over the hill, but he's on top of it. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to pay him for what he's done, not for what he's going to do for your franchise. I can't do it. Mm. because he's not a franchise player. He and here's my thing: what the hell has he done for the franchise? What has Paul Millsap done for the Hawks? Kept you mediocre. <laughs> they were mediocre prior to him getting there. That's what I'm saying. He kept you in the playoffs. So what? What? It? What? So what do the Hawks owe Paul Millsap? Absolutely nothing. And and, it, and it's irking me in the new age of the NBA with all the money that's getting out that people think you have to play pay this player because he deserves it. Like if he's not the caliber player that deserves that caliber money, don't okay. give it to him. I agree. Kit Bazemore should have never got $70 million. Exactly. Why pay him that? He's not that caliber player. I don't care what he's done. I don't care that he's there and we got to spend this money. If you got to spend it, go spend it on somebody who deserves it. Don't just give it out because you have to give it out. Wow. All right, fellas. Well, we'll see what happens with the Hawks and oh, that host. Go ahead. Big H.O. tuning in from D.C., baby. What up? What H-O. up, homie? What's uh, up? What's going on? All right, fellas. Here we go. Last email bad question. It's coming from Muhammad out of Louisville. You've got mail. All right. Oscar De La Hoya, the golden boy himself, he made an appearance on the four-letter network. And he believes that Floyd Mayweather is wasting his time challenging Conor McGregor to a fight. And instead of challenging McGregor, he should challenge Triple G, who is Kennedy Golovkin or Canelo Alvarez. Fellas, what are your thoughts on that? What should Floyd do? Um, I think Oscar should shut the hell up, for one. <laughs> for two, he wants that fight with Canelo because Canelo's his fighter. And he knows that brings the big check, okay? Why would Floyd go fight Canelo when he already whooped Canelo? He schooled Canelo. That wasn't a play-around fight. He made him look mediocre, okay? He made him look remedial. And why would he fight Gennady Golovkin? Gennady Golovkin is 30 pounds heavier walking around, 40 pounds heavier walking around than Floyd Mayweather. Why would you do that? And here's my other thing. Conor McGregor, that's going to be a big check. If that fight happens, that will be one of the highest grossing fights in Floyd's career. Hands down. Because he's not only bringing in the the boxing fans, he's bringing in the MMA fans. So everybody's going to watch that fight. Because truth be told, 
if Floyd go in there half stepping, Connor can knock him out. Now, will he? It won't happen. But my point is, Oscar De La Hoya is on there promoting a fight between Canelo or of Golovkin with Mayweather, and Canelo and Golovkin hadn't even fought yet. And the only fighter you got in there is Canelo. So what if Canelo loses? Are you going to say, yeah, Floyd needs to fight Golovkin? No, you're not going to say that. You're going to say that he needs to fight Canelo because that brings you money. So my point is, Golden Boy Entertainment is a joke now. All right, It, it is a total joke. Boxing it, it as a whole has been a joke for years. Floyd is the only one that has made it remotely relevant over the last 15 years. So my point is, Oscar De La Hoya is in it for a check. He's trying to. He's doing what a promoter does, which is trying to promote the best fight. Now, is it the smartest fight for Floyd? Nowhere near. Hey, yeah. it's promotion. That's all it is. And that Canelo fight, let him fight out Canelo and whatever they're going. Good luck and go ahead and fight Triple G. But the thing about boxing is nobody's really watching it. Thank you, man. It's because you know I don't think that they develop. The fighters the way they need to you know boxing in this country it went pay-per-view i remember the, one of the biggest super fights was when duran fought sugar Ray, and from then on everything was like pay-per-view you had to go well this was closed circuit back in the day even before the pay-per-views but still the same lineup boxing used to come on regular television network television and you got to see these fighters and you could build a following where we knew fighters they can have a new guy come up every and say, this is the champ, he's 38. No, I hadn't seen any of his fights. It's it's like if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's out there, did, did it fall? <laughs> I don't know. Talk. And, and, you know, the thing about MMA, it's it's the now craze. It's, they put the fights up there, the best fighters fight. They, put, they pit the top fighters against each other. In boxing, we waited how many years to see Mayweather and Pacquiao? All this politicking and all that. And that's the difference is that when you have in that MMA and the UFC, whatever, the bigger the bigger you are, you fight the top people. And that's what draw. That's a drawing card. You don't have to go through all that. All these red tape and waiting years. To oh yeah, I got You got you got to fight him because he's the first runner up, and then the winner of this. Yeah, and, and, and then if you get beat, then it's a bad thing. And MMA, nobody has a perfect record. Look, nope. they get beat. Yep. Because they fight the best. Yep. And that's the that's the key is that they're fighting, and it's fights you want to see. Until boxing comes back into the mainstream, you know, and and we see them from the ground up, like. We followed the 72 Olympics and all that, 76 Olympics, and we saw Sugar Ray and all those come up, and we saw all those weight classes, and there was a boom in boxing because we kind of we got familiar with these guys, and we followed their careers. Now we don't know them. That's the key. We don't know them. And until boxing takes that step and says, okay, here we are, America, and especially the United States, who do we get behind as a boxer in the United States? You can't Nobody. name Floyd's the only one. That's it. And no one wants to get behind Floyd. Well, but they would. They would rather hate him than get yeah. behind yeah. it. Exactly. So there's nothing to. I mean, Sugar Ray was an icon. Sugar Ray Leonard. You yeah. knew him. He was on commercials, Sprite commercials. Yeah, everywhere. Every, you see what I'm saying? Marvin Hagler. Yeah. You knew him. Yeah. yeah. Tommy Hitman Hearns. You knew him. And these are all in the same weight class. Exactly. The welterweight division back then and middleweight was crazy. And then they started with all this pay per view, and that's all you could see. And you know, kids. Kids watch football because it's on network TV. It's free. You know what I'm saying? If you if it's not if it's not something that we can actually see and get behind, there's no way to follow it. So until they do that, it's not going to happen. It's and as far as 
uh, Mayweather and and uh, fighting uh, the MMA guy, McGregor. McGregor. That's what he needs. It's a big dollar. It's a big thank you. Bet. That's Fight smart. It. That is smart. That's it is, a business. As move. long as it's boxing, now yeah. if it's grappling, and he he going he'll strangle him. Yeah, he gonna yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll be choked out. out in two but seconds. But if they standing on their feet, whatever, he won't hit. He Floyd going out point him, and it's gonna be over. Yep. Go ahead, and make that check. Yeah. That's yeah. the smartest fight. I don't, and I don't think the Golovkin. Like I said it earlier, dude, he already schooled Canelo, and the Golovkin fight doesn't make sense for Floyd at all. So, oh well, with the uh, with Mayweather fighting McGregor, I think that'll be a bigger check than whether he fought uh, Triple G or Canelo combined. If he fought, thank both you, of them, thank you. Night. McGregor will, will <laughs> the fight against McGregor will make more money, and yeah, McGregor could knock out Floyd if he could like catch him. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Okay. And it's – yeah, I, I understand what you're saying with, with boxing, like, kind of dying out. I mean, I really the, – the most popular – it's more popular in, like, Canada. They pay more attention to it. And the last American boxer that really had the pulse of America was really, like, Mike Tyson uh, as far as a heavyweight goes and with any other classes. Maybe Oscar De La Hoya. But he had Mexico. He didn't have us. But he was a, he was he was American though. He Is won he? a gold medal for the U.S. Yeah, but we ain't care about no Oscar. Girl, right? I'm just gonna keep it real. Like I'm gonna keep everybody when Oscar fought. You want to see him do what? You want to see him lose. You want to see him lose. So you know he was always like with Floyd. Exactly, he was always the villain. And I think you just said something that made me think. We don't have any good people. We only have villains. Everybody in boxing is a villain. Floyd's the villain. Oscar was the villain. Uh, Ricky Fatten Hatton was the villain. Um, Pacquiao was the villain. We have no good guys. There is no superhero. There is no Mike Tyson that everybody follows. Like even, and I'm also saying the the fall off of the heavyweight division is the issue of yep, boxing. Yep, that's the issue. So because welterweights, when you when you walk when you walk down the street, welterweight 140 pounds. When you walk past 140 pounds, like if I walked to the floor right now. And I ain't know he was Floyd Mayweather. He better not say nothing to me because I'm I'm standing over. I'll whoop you. So you feel like you can beat them. Mm-hmm. You didn't feel like you could beat Mike Tyson. Yeah. All right, all right fellas. We got a call coming in. Whoop, and whoop. Not sure who it is. We'll find out in a second. Hello? Call, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Who, who is? Oh, boy, Sam. Hey. Who is it? Uh, this this H.O. caller from D.C. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you calling from the White House? Me and John Wall out here hanging out, baby. <laughs> Actually, that, that's a lie because he in Boston right now. There you yeah, go. But, but uh, listen, I'm going to tell you this, though. I was telling all my staff members were saying, well, how you going to do your show this week? I said, man, uh, it's in God's hand, and I got the best crew I, I, I got the best crew on radio. And um, and I when I was listening to the show, I say, man, I had to walk away for it, man. I felt like a, a proud father. <laughs> <laughs> I, felt, it, I, I felt like a proud father. But then when we reared it back in, Hancock say, that fake dynasty boss ahead, proud of fellow. What do you think about that? Wait, is, is, is that the most overrated dynasty in sports? You know, to me, the, the crew making it more about Boston made them. They didn't make Boston. Yeah. You know, Paul Pierce, the only one that can really say anything. Yeah, because he was the last one. Yeah, and unfortunately, Ray Allen came in 
into that situation where he came in with the old school crew, but he left with the new school crew. So in the new school, it, it's okay. Yeah. You saw so, and and and, and, and I, I guess Big Baby and all the other rest of them. They was talking about where we made a bond and we made a this and that, but that's the way the new crew did it. Y'all using old school rules with 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 with, with new new day uh, present basketball. Yeah. True. So I mean, my thing is, it ain't like Boston didn't have a ring. You got a ring, so what you tripping about? Yeah, you're absolutely. And right. my thing is that team. It's not going to be one of the greatest Celtic teams out of all them teams that they had. Exactly. So, that really making the big stink for nothing. I agree, so, big homie. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I don't understand that piece, but but I'm going to tell you this about, and I'm going to, I will listen, I got to go back to my tour, but I'm going to agree with D. Will on this for LeBron. And I know y'all probably going to get to the, the Michael Jordan and the LeBron deal or whatever, but D. Will, LeBron would not be appreciated until he retires. True. Point blank period. He's not, and, and, to, and to Hancock's uh, point about the legend growth, no one is going to really appreciate and understand how good he actually was and how much he impacted this game until he, until he retired. Exactly. Yeah, so, is. I mean, we can, we can stop all that who's he's better than and who's the this and who's the that. Let's just wait till, wait till he leaves. And let his legend grow, and let, and let the appreciation marinate, and then you can say that. And I totally agree with you, Big Ho, and and I see exactly where you're coming from. You shouldn't be, a, you can't be judged until your time is up. Yeah, you can't judge me. Trying to make him this and compare him to that and all this other kind of stuff. Just, just wait. True. Just wait. You remember how many haters Jordan had when he was playing? I told you. Yep. Oh, yeah. No okay, but when he retired, it, it, ain't nobody didn't nobody be, there wasn't no haters no more, right? Exactly. He but, still got the highest gross and selling shoes in, in America. And right? I'm gonna tell you that now, like, like let's quantify it because I, I gotta quantify it. If we're talking about impact on the game, LeBron James will never be Michael Jordan on impact of the game because Jordan is, like you say, he's a icon, not only a basketball mm-hmm. icon, he's a cultural icon. He brought something right. to the culture that had never been brought before. So. To, if, is LeBron going to ever have that type of impact on basketball? No. But in a basketball standpoint, if you know basketball and you're watching the game for yourself today and you watched it then, it's not even a mm-hmm. freaking comparison. I oh, guess who's so, better? I guess that's, this is when my age kind of goes in because <laughs> I, I can remember saying the same thing about Magic and Jordan. You see right. what I'm saying? And, and now Jordan has passed them by. See, it, it, it happens with growth and with the kids that that, that grow up on this thing. Evolution. Like right now, we I'm telling y'all, right now the seeds are being sown for that next Steph Curry. He already he down low. You see what I'm saying? Right. He waiting. And, he, and, and this might even be, this is going to be controversial that I'm about to say. He might be Caucasian because Steph Curry <laughs> game is not an African-American game. <laughs> hey, but listen, I know y'all got to go to break, man. No, man, keep uh, talking, man. Ready to flag me down. It's just like, just yeah. like I, I was, yeah. I know y'all got to go to break, but look, I just wanted to call in and tell y'all how much, how proud I am. And it's just, I, you know what? I'm going to go and have me a big old struggle when I get back to the hotel and just be thankful of what, uh, what, what has become 
one of the top sports talk shows in, 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 in Atlanta. There you go. That's bro. all I'm going to say. And y'all keep it pushing, man. Yes, and I'm out, bro. Holla. Holla, big homie. Be safe. Hey, y'all be good, man. All right. I'll See you next week. Right. Be safe. All right, audience, that's a wrap on Hour 1, and we'll be back in a few minutes with Hour 2, a bunch of NBA talk. We'll break down every series for you. So keep it locked. Sports Roundtable. Are you thinking about changing the station? You're only hurting yourself. Keep listening to Sports Roundtable on 1100 AM. You're tuned into WWE. AM 1100. The opinions expressed during the sponsored programs on this station are strictly those of the program hosts, guests, and callers and are not necessarily those of Beasley Broadcast Group, this station, its staff, other advertisers, or agencies. Come to the Georgia Renaissance Festival, where you'll see Robin Hood, a Mary Queen, boards of swords and juggling, men in tights who like to fight with sharp things in their hands. Yeah. Clothing, jewelry, pottery, it's like you've won the lottery. Stop on by. Why not hurry? For fun and food and drink. This weekend, enjoy Celtic music, Irish dancers, pipe and drum bands, and traditional Highland Fair at the Georgia Renaissance Festival's Highland Fling Weekend. Get discount tickets at select Sam's Clubs or at garentfest.com. What's up, Sports Roundtable listeners? This is Greg, a.k.a. G-Money, a.k.a. the man behind the glass for the SRT crew. Now, do you have a podcast or radio show you want to take to the next level? Are you a DJ looking for that special voice for your drops during your set? Are you looking for some narration for that big presentation? Do all of these apply, but you're on a budget? Well, come see me at Fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. I can do all of these and more, just starting at $5. That's it five bucks i know you got five bucks so stop by fiverr.com slash greg herd that's g-r-e-g-h-u-r-d check out my demo and hit me up with an order so we can make that presentation that pod that drop really pop who knows maybe i can help you make a better show than sports roundtable but don't tell the crew i said that okay just that's what it is fiverr.com slash greg herd hit me up and i hope to hear from you soon Sports, Sports Roundtable. Round the bridge. Boy, <laughs> if Trump can get in the house, White House, they ought to be able to do something with that bridge. Come on, talk to me, man. That, that's ridiculous. Man. It's crazy. Superhero is my moniker, but I'm going to have to talk to Alfred or something to get a plane. <laughs> we got to do something. That's ridiculous, man. Man, they, they, the slaves got, got home quicker than Harriet Tubman than I can get down here. That's crazy. You need the Underground Railroad or something. On the, the Worldwide Radio, Radio Network, Network 1100, 1100 AM. What up? What we up? must be back with a new season, man. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 1100 AM. That right. That and we right. got Tiff, hand in the building, H.O. and what Coach. Up? Up? You now about to witness the strength of sports talk radio. Lego. I can read your mind. You know it's that time. Hold up. Hello. Boy, I'm so fly, I feel like Brent Grind. Brent Grind. About to kill the whole season, man. SRT got picks for days. Ain't no telling when I'm all in. Never stall in. Pass the ball in the LBJ. That's the king, fam. Woo. Been bowling since Space Jam. New logo like the LA Rams. Uh-huh. SRT next up. Big dog picks Devin Hester. And that's the word on the street. Tiff got me right like we run in the screen. Real talk, hey, now I know what I mean. We causing the scene. SRT got what you want every week. I ain't gonna say it, no. no. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to the second hour of Sports Roundtable. Again, I'm your host, Smooth, sitting in for the man himself, H.O., and joining me as usual are D-Will, the coach, and Hancock, the sports superhero, and of course, G-Money is behind the glass. 
So before we cut off in the first hour, we started this conversation about the next great NBA superstar. And according to the superhero, that next superstar could be a Caucasian player. He could be. So we want to continue that conversation. D, and I know you have some opposing views to it. No, 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 I'm not, listen, I, I want him, I want y'all, I want, I want the sports superhero to quantify himself. You know, I, I want him to be able to explain his comment so people don't get it confused. Right. Go ahead. Now, not to say that this game still won't take, cater to athleticism, but what I'm saying is we've seen it in cycles. We saw the bird in the magic era where passing and getting the other folks involved kind of took over and everybody was looking for the next magic, next bird. Then the Jordan era came in to where he was flying and high flying and that's still been the case pretty much. This is an African-American game, if we be real about it. Keep it 1,000. It's, it's, it's dominated by African-Americans, but it's been played that way because of the power and the athleticism that pretty much you know the black athlete does. Mm-hmm. But in this new pace and space era at the Steph Curry game to where handling and space and shooting with range has kind of been the new caller card. We look at Houston. Mm-hmm. Shooting is is a premium. Mm-hmm. That next guy we don't know could be because if he models his game off what Steph does. Which all kids are doing right. now. I mean, the, let's just say, and, and I'm trying not to be as controversial, but let's just say that that, that Caucasian kid that – Watching the NBA and watching these guys jump and run over and talk foul and do whatever they do, mm-hmm. dunking on each other. That's not what he can do. But he can see Steph pick up that ball and handle before the game, dribbling all, all kind of drills, and knowing that this helps my game. Now, he practices shooting, and he gets that unlimited range like that. That's a game that he can relate to. He can relate to a Steph Curry game. He can't relate to Clyde Drexler. He can't relate to... Uh, 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 Dr. J, because he can't do that. But he can do the other things. Passing, space, and shooting. And we saw Steph win two MVPs. Mm-hmm. One unanimous. That game that he plays is more akin to what somebody without athleticism can do. And I agree with that. And I can't sit here and say I don't agree with that, because it makes sense. But here, here here's why I'm coming for it. I'm coming from the same angle, but a little different. I don't think it's more so on the Caucasian athlete. Because white boys can still play in the league. I'm not saying they no, can. No, 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 no. I'm yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's I what you said. Yeah. Please don't. Uh, please. Let me reiterate. I'm not saying that white kids can't play. Yeah. And that they can't play on a level that's conducive to getting to the pros. Mm-hmm. I'm just being real about what the game the is game today. Is. Yeah. The athleticism that is shown. Totally understand. And here's the thing that's the difference. It's not about the white athlete looking at the NBA saying, can I play there? It's about the white athlete parent. When they're 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old, these parents are looking what to invest in their child. And if their child loves basketball and they're watching the NBA of yesteryear, they're like, Ain't no way in the hell my 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", son finna go play in the NBA. So I'm not fixing to put him in basketball and put that time in there knowing he can't be successful at it. And I think that's why we've seen the lack of Caucasian NBA players is because of that starting in the early, the grassroots years that the parents aren't pushing their kids 
towards basketball. But now it's Steph Curry. Now with pace and space, you got Clay Thompsons. You got these type of who are specialists. And what else about Steph is that he likes him, but and he's non-threatening. That's my you point. What That's saying? what I meant by life. I know it, but yeah. I was just trying. He's non-threatening. He doesn't curse all out. Do he Don't does, drink. but he doesn't. What I'm saying is, he, you look like you could invite him over for dinner. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? And that's relatable. Let me let me ask you this: which which group was better, New Kids on the Block or New Edition? New Edition. <laughs> Who made the most money? New, new Kids on the Block. Because America's looking for that next great white hope. And I'm telling you, a player like that can write his own ticket. Yeah, and I agree. And I want y'all to understand. I want y'all to understand that we are not going against that. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give y'all a name. If you go back about five or seven years ago and you go look at the Ellen DeGeneres show, it was this little white kid, and he was doing all the dribbling drills, all the dribbling moves, and everybody was at in awe of how well he could handle the ball. That is exactly to the point that we're talking about. They're, 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 they molded him to handle the ball. To be able to dribble, not to be able to jump over three people and dunk the basketball. But if you watch this kid now, he's a junior in high school going into his senior year. His name is Jordan McCabe. He might be that player that you're talking about. about. Because he did develop into a heck of a basketball player. But here's the thing. He might be 5'10", 5'11". Maybe. He's, He's not overly athletic. His vision, handle, and jump shot are up to par with anybody in, 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 in high school right now. But what is the issue? It's the parents. His parents from a young age said, you know what? Even though he might not be the next LeBron James, he can play in this league. And me coming from a, a high school coach and running a basketball academy and, and, being, and being a player development guy and being at a private school, I witnessed it. I witnessed a lot of Caucasian athletes in basketball that love the game, who have skill, who parents come to me and tell, guess what they tell me? What's they, that? they can't play on the next level. He can be a good high school player, but did you see LeBron James? How is my son supposed to compete with that one day? What did they say? Steph didn't even get a what? He didn't even get a college scholarship. Exactly. See, this is that's my one offer one to, di- to one division that's, school. That's my point. When we yeah. even coming into the league, the you, I'm sure I know I had reservations about Steph. I, of course I did. I didn't think he would be a star. I was like, who is league. this kid? No, no way possible. I didn't think it. I knew he could shoot in college, and he he went to Davidson, but I didn't think he would be what he is. And yeah. what I'm saying is that type of thing motivates other players that are coming up. And like I said, he's so relatable that he's he doesn't threaten that that parent that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? That parent's not threatened by that. Yeah, because my kid could like, be Steph Curry. Exactly. All right. All right, fellas. Well, we'll see what happens. I hope we cleared happens. that up for y'all. Yeah, yeah, we had to clear that up. So we'll see what happens because LeBron is on his way out and we do need another superstar for somebody to take his place. But all right, G, we'll go ahead and officially start the second hour of the show. The Roundtable Discussion. What are we talking about? Hit it! All right. The Roundtable Discussion is brought to you by Big Boy Cigars. There's a new stick in town, and it's called Big Boy Cigars. If you love cigars and want a nice, easy, smooth cigar, think big, drink big, smoke big. Big Boy Cigars. All right, fellas. Let's get into some NBA talk. Right now, as we're speaking... 
The Celtics and Wizards are playing right now. It's the first quarter, five minutes left, and Boston is up 16-8. So let's go ahead and start right there. So who do you guys expect to win this game? I would think that Boston might hold home court today. I think this is a turning point. You know, this series, basically what they always say, the series doesn't start until somebody wins on the other team's court. So I'm really looking for this one to go seven games. I think Boston, after losing two in Washington, makes the adjustments and probably comes back to win this one tonight. That's what I think. Uh, Maybe Washington found something by – they limited – Isaiah Thomas in the last two games. And this is what I can't understand is that you might not be able to block his shot and whatever. You just, to me, you make his shots difficult when he's coming into the paint. You know, don't don't go at him because he's a master at bumping and getting to the line. I think the bigs just have to stay big and make him shoot over the top of him. That's a difficult shot. If he's moving and he has to throw up high arcing shots, some of them going to go, but a lot of them won't. And like we always say, put him into spots where – it's hard for him to get his shot. If you funnel him to corners, funnel, you know, block him. And get I him think, out the middle of the floor. Right, they started running two at him and getting the ball out of his hand, doing those type of things. Then it's left up to these other guys. And I don't know if Bradley and, you know, these other guys are ready to assume that and, and push them to the top. Al Horford has been playing well. But I don't know if Al is that guy that's going to carry them. We know who Al is. Yeah, so, I, I mean, Wall and Bill <laughs> – when you look at the starting fives, I think Washington starting five is, is the better starting five. Bench players with the Rose, maybe Boston gets the edge there. So, I don't know, but tonight I think Boston kind of holds on. But, you know, who knows? I think Boston holds on tonight. I, I'm taking Washington, and, it, and it's going to be because of an old point we've always made. I just don't see Isaiah Thomas being able to be a leader heading that deep into the playoffs. Because if you ask me, John Wall is a way better player than Isaiah Thomas. All right. John Wall is whew, maybe two in the East. Maybe the second best player in the East, probably. Overall. Yeah. Like, period. Not we're not talking point guards. We're talking overall players. And I I'm gonna tell you like this. When it comes down to the NBA, I have to give the credit to the best individual player. Because the best individual player always comes out on top. Right? He always so if it's it's coming. This series comes down to John Wall versus Isaiah Thomas. And if you got to ask me, I'm taking John Wall all day. Now, one thing that I've noticed about Isaiah Thomas in this series, he's a hell of a lot more explosive than I thought. When he gets to the rim, he finishes he's at the rim. I'm saying. These aren't floaters. These aren't little Aki shots. He is shooting finger rolls at the rim. And I'm looking like, how is Washington allowing him to get to the basket? Like that is that is it's mind boggling for me to see Isaiah Thomas go between three defenders, one being Marcin Gortat, and shoot a finger roll at the rim. So his game is way more it, it's expanded a lot more than I gave him credit for. And the jumper is wet. Oh, that's that that his jumper off the dribble. I'm not saying he's Steph Curry off the dribble. But it's wet. But it's wet. He's in the same he on the same page. He might not. Uh, let me say this. He in the same chapter. Yeah. He might not be on the same page, yeah. but he in the same chapter with Steph. Because I watched a video of him today. Guess what Isaiah Thomas did? What's that? Threw it up, off the bounce, and catch, win, and, and windmill. Yeah, I a saw dunk. That. I saw that. Isaiah Thomas did a off the bounce I windmill. Thought it, I thought the goal was lower. But. I did, too. <laughs> I, I did. did. I, I thought the goal was lower. I thought it was one of those prank videos. Yeah, yeah. It was a real goal. 
So, and then it made me think, he does finish at the rim. So, he plays a lot bigger than his size. And with him being your primary scorer, I think they can get there. But with him being your primary ball handler, scorer, and player, I don't think they can get there. I have to give that edge to John Wall. But the only reason, I give that edge to John Wall, but I don't give the edge to Washington. If you're going to talk collectively, Bradley Beal and, and players of in the Morris kid, they got to step up and play better. Because Washington, Boston has a better bench. They go deeper. Mm-hmm. But their starting five, it shouldn't be a competition. They should Boston starting five should not be competing with Washington starting five. I agree. So my point is, if that's the case, it's it's the it's the others that aren't doing their job. So I need I need twenty five from Bradley Beal. I need fourteen from Morris. I need I need fourteen from Porter. I need ten or twelve from Ubre. I need ten. Those players aren't giving the support because if John Wall got to go for forty five a night, it's gonna be hard for them to beat Boston. Fifteen assists. It's gonna be hard for them. That's that's Russell Westbrook. He's playing with a bunch of others. Like he's still getting his points. He's still getting his assists. So that means you're being productive as an extra, but you're not doing your job. All right, fellas, we got a caller. Um, sounds like look, it's James. Yeah. Hey, James. What's going on, man? Man. Oh, James, you there? James, can you hear us? Like you left. Oh, all right. Well, let's keep talking. <laughs> He'll call back. But audience, uh, an update on the score. It's now three minutes left in the first quarter. Boston is up 24-14. So we'll actually move on to the game that happened last night. The Spurs beat the Rockets in overtime 110-107 after Manu Ginobili blocked James Harden's last second shot. Um, and Kawhi also hurt his left ankle around the five-minute mark of the third quarter. He came back in the fourth but he missed overtime. Hancock, how does this change the series for both teams? If Kawhi can't play, it's pretty much a wrap, I believe. Mm. Hey, up 3-2. Yeah, I, I think, but his, he's just too much on offense and defense to overcome. He says I mean, he will play yeah. game six. See, but he doesn't have a twin brother like uh, like the Morris. <laughs> like the Morris <laughs> and I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyway. I uh, think they switched. But go ahead. Kawhi. Is just so big for them. Manu played well, but can Manu muster it up again? He's 39 years old. Danny Green is streaky. Danny Green. And that's the thing. And and uh, Aldridge hadn't shown up. You know, Ooh, he, he's not getting pain. anything. And we know, you know, I, I love Powell when he was with the Lakers. He helped my boys get a two titles. But Powell is weak around the he rim. Over the hill, he's man. over the hill. And even when he was in his prime, he, he played a soft game. That was always a knock. That was always a knock. And I just, you know, I think in the end, without Kawhi, if Kawhi's not 100%, I think Houston's going to pull it out in game seven. What's, what's interesting for, for Houston is that, well, with I was looking at the uh, at game six box score. Aldridge had 18 and 14. Um, he plays better gonna, than that. He's going to need to do more of that because with Houston not having the nay, they have to start. Uh, they start Capella, and they basically play like four guards, and they're only going seven deep. And their backup big is Ryan Anderson. That was a coaching so mistake, in my point. In my you got to take advantage of. I think the Spurs have to even further find ways to exploit Anderson guarding Aldridge in the post. Agreed. I don't think Gasol is gonna. He doesn't have the Gasol. the 
uh, the skill to, well, to even to keep up with the speed of the game, the way that Houston plays, he can't keep up with mm-hmm. them. And see, Aldridge can't either, though. See, that's the thing. When, when they're going to pull Aldridge away, they're going to pull Powell away. And if Houston, let's just say they go, now you have five basically forwards and, you know, a couple of forwards and guards on the floor, and they're going to space around the three and let Harden do what he do. And without Kawhi being, if Kawhi's not 100%, Harden's going to kill him mm. if he can't move. And I agree. And, and here's the thing. We've been watching this series, right? And, and, and the Spurs are currently up 3-2. to two. And everybody, we know that San Antonio can't run with Houston. They can't match the Spurs. The, to keep pace in space. They can't match that. Right. They can't match the speed. But here's the thing. This is why they're up to 3-2. They don't have to do that because Houston can't match their bigs. When when San Antonio plays big, Houston struggles. They really struggle. It Houston plays well when San Antonio tries to match them by going small. You can't go small with them because, for one, San Antonio's not a three-point shooting team, so you can't trade twos for threes. That's the key, right? But if you're going big, you're forcing them to take oh, you're forcing them to take those threes. There's no second chance points. And if you go watch the defense and, and um, on TNT, Kenny Smith does a great job of breaking this down. And he showed last night the Spurs aren't even guarding the paint. They're literally not, Kawhi Leonard and everybody is playing three-point line, heels on. Okay, I'll give y'all a couple basketball terms. When you're coaching, if you have a team that can't shoot, you tell them to put your toes on the three-point line, meaning we want them to shoot that shot. If you have a team that can shoot, the the phrase is you put your heels on the three-point line to make them try to drive by you because you don't want them to shoot. The Spurs are playing three-point line, which is 25 feet in the NBA, three-point line and higher. They're letting them get layups. They're letting them get those layups. And why? Because they don't want the kick out. They don't want the kick. They don't want the kick. They missed a bunch of open threes. See, they, that's the they thing. did. They, they did. And I agree. Three. They were just missing yeah, shots. But Houston, them. Houston, they're fool's goal. And why are they fool's goal? And I'm going to tell you one reason. And I, this is a contradiction from D-Will. And I know y'all listen to the archive shows on SRT.com. And I gave him coach of the year, Mike D'Antoni. I said he was a coach because he probably was. But in this playoffs, he's showing why he's Mike D'Antoni. Why is you? Why are you only playing seven players in the, in the NBA playoffs? You're not winning an NBA series only playing seven players. I don't care. You're not going seven deep and actually winning. You're telling me that um, Sam Decker can't play? Is he, he's, I don't think he's all the way back from injury yet. He, he played is, in the he series. Is. He's all the way back. Yeah, he he's been playing. So why you don't give him? Minutes? I know he's back, but I'm saying why? how how what percentage is he? He can give you five minutes. Maybe so. You know, uh, Montrez Harrell. Now that I he can give you five I'm minutes. Not, I'm not, well, that I agree with. I don't know why he's not playing because he gives you the active body. Exactly. Quick, quick question: Does Nene being out in audience? Nene, the Rocket Center, he's out for the remainder of the postseason due to a left adductor tear. So mm-hmm. does. Would he have made a difference? He was playing well, but he wasn't the starter. Capella was the starter, but Nene was playing well. Yeah, he, he was a force. He was a force. He was a big that gave them a presence. But they didn't play through him anyway. I think he was. But he, he was another guy that was like the like the the role guy, the pick and roll, like they do with Capella. Yeah. He says great screens, true. Yeah. I just think I'm telling you, without <laughs> without a healthy Kawhi, I think Houston is going to run him. I, I, it's all about them making shots, 
And one key that now I will agree with on what San Antonio has done is not fall prey to those fouls, mm-hmm. those flailing fouls that that Harden, Harden gets a lot of. Yeah. Pop, you if you remember the first game of the series, Dan, Danny Green got a foul call on one of those plays where Harden came off a screen and got hooked. Third, I think it was about 15 seconds into the game. He called a timeout and he cussed Danny Green. Yes, out. he did. Yes, he did. And he, what he wants is no stupid fouls like that. When you go to guard him, do not reach. Let him lay it Get up. your body around and just kind of contest the shot. But he doesn't want you reaching. If you do, you're coming out. What and can? Well, I was just say. Well, what can help San Antonio though is Houston is only going seven deep. So if they get tired, what are they going to end up? They're going to end up fouling. And I agree, they're tired, but they just stand around the three point line and watch hard. There's no cutting, no movement, no See, nothing. Exactly. But, but even with their important defensive players, like in the last game, Beverly had five fouls, and he went to overtime. Who knows? What, well, I mean, they still lost the game, but. He had five fouls. Ryan Anderson had five fouls because they're just out there. They had four players play 40-plus minutes. Are they going to be able to do that for at least these two games? Just No, they won't be series? able to do it, not, and not in win. And here's my other issue with it. Houston's not, also not going to win with Trevor Ariza at the four and, and uh, Ryan Anderson at the five. You're not going to be able to compete that way. So you're going to have to play a Montrezl Harrell. You have to get big bodies in there just to bang because – Popovich is showing you, I'm playing our game. We're going to start out. Everybody was saying, what has been the narrative over the first four games before last night? Uh, Pop need to put one of the bigs on the bench. He can't start both against Houston because Houston was coming off two wins. They can't start both. Pop came back last last night and did what? Started both of his bigs and ended up winning the game yeah. without Tony Parker and without Kawhi Leonard. Now, Gasol only afraid. played 20 minutes. Yeah, I would be more afraid of them if they were physical presences, but – Aldridge shoots a lot of fadeaway. A lot of them. And he is the issue why San Antonio hadn't won this series yeah, already. He, he fades away. He doesn't pound. You know, he doesn't back you down. You got Trevor Ariza on you. I why mean, are you so not going to the basket? That's or why even Ryan Anderson yeah, is on him. Yeah. Even if that. He's 6'10 in powder puff. He so doesn't want to bang. The, uh, Lee, David Lee plays more physical than both of those guys. And he has played well yeah, when, when he's coming in the game. But he, he just over the hill. Yeah, exactly. So. All right, fellas. That's... Well, let's move on to another thing. But before we do that, again, San Antonio leads the series 3-2. And Game 6 will be tomorrow, Thursday, May 11th at 8 p.m. on the four-letter network. And Game 7 will be Sunday if necessary. All right, so let's look look ahead to the conference finals. Let's start with Golden State. So, D, who do you think will be the best matchup for Golden State? Neither one. Like, I'm be God honest with you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, if if it's Houston, Houston to get a game. If San Antonio and we got a gimpy Kawhi, it might be a sweep. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think San Antonio or Houston can even remotely pressure Golden State. Like, the, it, the series will not be interesting. It, it, we'll have to watch it. But I'm talking it's going to be 4-1. And at the best, at the very best, we'll get 4-2 from either team. And the only reason I say I'll give San Antonio, a, I mean, um, I'll give Houston a game or two is because of their shooting ability. But what do they do? What does is, what is Golden State do best? They shoot. shoot. Yeah. And guess what else they do? They actually defend. Yeah. So I don't. that's a bad matchup for Houston, especially as, listen, JaVale McGee going to get off against Houston. 
JaVale McGee will literally get off against Houston. Because what does he do? He rolls lob. That's it. If if Aldridge was a lob catcher, this series would be over. He's not athletic at all. Zero percent. He plays below the rim. He's a seven-footer that plays below the rim. And with San Antonio, I just don't see them being – the the matchup is just too bad for them. I think Golden State took their heart that last game they played in San Antonio when um, they went up 20 or whatever and Golden State came back and just killed them, walked them down and beat them. I think that showed them right then that there's no answers. Can't compete. when When you can pull those bigs out of way, and that's what Golden State does. You got Stephen Clay. See, that's the difference between what Houston does and Golden State does. You'll see back cuts. You'll see passes into the post, whatever, that Golden State gets runs to the rim for layups. Houston rarely gets those unless somebody just beats their man off a dribble, and mainly that's Harden. Yep. Everybody else is just standing around. But watch Clay cut. Watch even your bench guys come in and cut. And then when David West is at the at the elbow, Ooh, he's playmaker. Making, Pay, play just making passes like you know just like he passing out pancakes so mm-hmm. I, I think with that the way they play and the defense that they play that's that's the other difference you hit on a little bit go to state plays defense mm-hmm. Draymond is going to play defense regardless don't matter and his the way he plays just is an infectious way that he, he, he just influences everybody on that team to play Steph can give you only so much, but he's going to give you everything he got on defense. He's he going to take a charge, he's yep. going to strip. He's yep. going to do whatever he can do on defense. Now, he can't play you head up. No. Every now and then, he'll make a play on somebody head up, but he's a help defender. Yep. And they cover him. Watch. If he gets switched, you'll see another guy come in, push him out of the way, and take the big and get Steph out of that paint. Quick. They cover him so well. What you, what you brought it like with uh, the way Houston plays as far as shooting, and they play small. Golden State is better at they play right into the hands and and playing small. I mean, they have that the so called death lineup yeah. with Draymond at center. They don't. They probably won't have to do that as much as people might think if they play Houston. But they are better at small ball than Houston is, and that that may be the deciding factor. And then watch this. This is the other thing that that's added this year. When they go cold, they isolate Kevin Durant. They say, Kevin, go get us some buckets. You got to probably now when he goes, when he's done, probably be in the top three to four small fours of all time. Oh, yeah. And you can give him the ball and say, for the next four possessions, we're going to isolate you. you <laughs> go, get, go get yours. Go get yours. Yeah. So when things aren't even going right, you can go to him. Yep. You see yep. what I'm saying? That's a nuclear weapon that you can just say, go get me some. Yep. So that's something that there's not many teams in the league, with, especially when you got Steph, Clay, Draymond out there with him. And you just say, okay, we're going to isolate you and go, what can you do? Nothing. And then the other thing, when Draymond is making the three, they're unbeatable. Well, how are you going to beat them with Draymond making the three? And right now, I think he's shooting over 40 Over 40% right he now. shot like 30% during the season. Exactly. And, and he's on fire. So, I mean, right now, they're clicking. Yeah. And it's going to – I just – I bring on the fire. And here's the thing. The difference between San Antonio – I know we're talking about – San Antonio and Golden State. I mean, San Antonio and Houston, who plays Golden State. But here's the difference. San Antonio's up 3-2, correct? Correct. And Houston has all shooters. They're in the mold of a Golden State. All right? But here's the difference. Ryan Anderson's not a playmaker. He's a shooter. He plays the role of Draymond Green. He's 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 the pick and pop four that can be, when you go small, play the five. 
But Ryan Anderson doesn't make plays, so you don't have to guard him. If you pressure up on him, he has nothing. Draymond can put it on the floor, get by you, and make the pass. He, Ryan Anderson can't do that. Kevin Durant, he is a all-around killer. Trevor Reza's not that, and that's who plays the same role. So my point is, San Antonio has the upper hand because Houston only has literally two playmakers. Patrick Beverly can make a play every now and then, but he doesn't really handle. Right. You got Dre- you got um, James Harden, and you got uh, Lou Williams. Those are your only two real. Eric Gordon's not a playmaker. No, he's a he's a cool. scorer. Shoot. Period. You know, so they don't have the if they're making plays, the only person making it is James Harden. Right. When you play Golden State, it's Kevin Durant, it's Draymond Green, it's Klay Thompson, it's Steph Curry. It's when you go to the bench, you got Clark. You, what's the the Livingston, kid McCall? McCall, McCall. You got Livingston, Livingston. man. Iguodala, Iguodala. These are all playmakers, not scorers. And then you got the, uh, the another defensive David West, player, the defensive player coming in with all the tattoos. Matt oh, Barnes, yeah, Matt Barnes, crazy. Defensive. They can't even get him in the game. And when he come in, you know he's just defensive. He don't care about nothing. And, Ready to hit somebody, exactly. And then you got somebody from the high post like a David West coming off the bench yeah. who is a playmaker. And so they have playmakers at every position right. on both squads. And, and to your point, the last point I want to make about Golden State is that when you can take Draymond and have him make plays when he has Steph at his disposal, he got Clay at his disposal, and he got Durant. He's got three places to go with the ball. That I mean, a bona fide scores. And see, that's the thing that I was saying. See, Steph doesn't need the ball in his hand. Not at to all. Be dominant. Not at all. You see what I'm saying? Mm-mm. And once. Once Kevin is learning how to play in that system, think about it. He's still just still learning when to cut. He missed, what, 20 to, games this year? Yeah, so he's still learning when to make a basket. He's getting better because now he's he had like five to seven assists in the last couple of games, so now he's making plays. So that's the thing about it. When it, You know, I, I, I don't see how, you know, Steph got to get his or whatever. Mm-hmm. Draymond orchestrates. Yep. He orchestrates and gets everybody what they need. And and I know this is not I know this is off the subject and it's not the question, but why the, we might as well talk about it. That's the difference, and that's why I give Golden State the edge over Cleveland. Because Steph doesn't need the ball to get off. Nope. Kyrie needs the ball to get off. So when times get pressured, you can run Steph off screens. Put the ball in Draymond, put the ball in Draymond hand, put the ball in KD hand. When the, when when times get pressured in Cleveland, it's LeBron. It's LeBron. And if you you can't run and and you got to tell Kyrie go stand in the corner because he's not he's I'm not saying he can't, but he's not as effective coming off screens, right. coming off downs, catching and shooting. That's not his game. His game is isolation. Boogie. Put it on the floor. Let's dance and let me get to the rack. And if not, I give you I give you credit. That's a hell of a step back. He got. He can step back. <laughs> he was there. He was hitting him the other night. So I'm gonna give you that bar back. But that's the difference in those two squads. Is Kyrie and Steph are the X factors, and Steph is so more, much more versatile than Kyrie. I have to get an edge to Golden State. All right. All right. So, well, speaking of Kyrie and the Cavaliers, let's fly segway, back. Segway, east. segway, segway, segway. Yeah, great segue. Uh, quick score. Quick update. Yeah. Oh, let's go to break real fast, and we'll be back with more NBA talk. Pay some bills. Yep. We'll be back with more Sports Roundtable on the Worldwide Radio 
Network. This is a national health care alert from the Health Hotline. If you have severe knee or back pain and you have Medicare or private insurance, we have great news. Finally, there's a way to reduce your pain without surgery or taking medications. Call us today and learn how you can qualify to get a pain-relieving knee or back brace at little or no cost to you. We'll even ship your brace for free. If you have excruciating knee or back pain and you have Medicare or private insurance, don't wait. You may qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving, nearly invisible knee or back brace at little or no cost to you. I've used one. They're comfortable and they work, and we guarantee your happiness. So call right now and get yours. I promise we're here to take your call. Thank you. Call 800-430-9571. 800-430-9571. 800-430-9571. That's 800-430-9571. Sports Roundtable. Boston Men, a new edition. I need, if I want somebody Overall, to sing my panties go off, I'm going Boys and Men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hold, on, hold on, stop, stop, yeah. stop, stop. Did you get that? <laughs> Did you get well, She said, if I want somebody to sing my panties <laughs> off. I hope you got that. That has to be a drop. Only, Only on, on WWE 1180. Yo, yo, welcome back to the Sports Roundtable. Your host, Smooth, back with Hancock, G, and the coach, D. Will. All right, quick score update. Boston Celtics up 41-24 to over the Washington Wizards. Nine minutes left. In the second quarter. So, let's fly back east. All right, fellas. Who's going to be the better matchup for the Cleveland Cavaliers? I think Washington. Um, I, as we already talked about the starting five that they have. I think they provide the best challenge for them. They had some good regular season basketball games. Last time, I think uh, Cleveland played Boston, they really wiped the floor with Boston and uh, kind of imposed their will on them. And I don't know if that's a carryover to that or not, but... I think Washington with John Wall, I would love to see him and Kyrie go at it. You know, there's no answer for LeBron, so we won't even talk about that. But that point guard matchup with Kyrie and, and John Wall, I think is something that a lot of people be looking forward to. And I, I just like, I think I think Washington gives them the better better go. I think with the size they have, with, you know, they're going to have to get a lot more out of Otto Porter because he's going to have to space the floor to give Wall some more runs to the basket and whatever, so... With that, and also they got to get a lot out of out of the bigs. You got to get some out of Gortat. He has to at least be effective enough to keep Tristan Thompson off the boards, because that's the key. Now, being able to do all those things and then close out to shooters like Kyle Corver, because Corver's gonna he's he's heating up. I mean, he doesn't take long to get it off, but you got to be able to help and recover because, like I said, there's no answer for LeBron, and if he starts to penetrate and kick or get into the teeth of your defense, he's going to collapse it. So you got to be able to get bodies in there to defend and stop him and then funnel back out to your shooters. Even what's the other tall uh, shooter they got? Uh, uh, Otto Porter? No, no, uh, Cleveland. Channing. Oh, oh Channing Fry. See, you got your Channing Fries and you got Corver out there that's space floor. And I didn't, I didn't even mention. JR. Uh, Kevin Love. Love. Kevin Love, yeah. So, I mean, they have Deadly. they have gotten shooters around LeBron, which will make them effective, but it's all about helping recover. Mm-hmm. You know, being able, are you fast enough to help with the drivers, the driving and penetration of LeBron and Kyrie, and then be able to get back out to those shooters? That's going to be the key. And then that's the other thing. The thing that really helps Cleveland 
to on the on the other end, on the defensive end, is that those players that space the floor offensively are big bodies. They are big. Like Channing Fry is not a rim protector, but he's, he's just length. He, he's long, so he he might not block the shot, but he he makes you change the shot. And what does Washington do if Washington does end up getting to the Eastern Conference Final to play Cleveland? What does John Wall do best? Penetrate. Okay, so th- those type players, Kevin Love, regardless of what you think about him, he is a beast on the glass if he wants to be. If he goes into a game and like, hey, I'm making a, a, a concerned effort to rebound the basketball tonight, he can get you 30 boards. Okay, so that's the good thing about Cleveland is that the players that space the floor on offense that don't need the ball to score, your Channing Fries, your Kevin Loves, your J.R. Smiths, your Iman Shump, they're out there. And that opens up the paint to let Kyrie and LeBron do what they do best, which is get to the basket. So I think Washington, I agree with Hancock, Washington is the better matchup. I just don't see when your best player is 5'9 and their best player is 6'8, 6'9, it, it's going to be hard for Boston to compete. With John Wall being a more athletic guard who can put you up 40 and 15, on a consistent basis, not just one night, he can get you at on a consistent basis. I think makes for a better series, but I agree it's gonna be the others. Can Ubre? Can Porter? Can Bill? Can these guys guard Cleveland right. off and run them off the three point line? Because if you're gonna beat Cleveland, you're gonna have to get them. Those others, you gotta run them off the three point line. I do agree that Washington is the better matchup. Uh, I think the the key for it is going to be Cleveland. Cleveland, I still don't believe in them defensively. I <laughs> I just don't. They and they play two teams to where it's easy to defend. Okay, double team Paul George in the second round. Double team Demar Derozan, and you know, and they really didn't have the a dynamic point guard play from either of those teams with Lowry being out. So they're going to have to deal with Isaiah Thomas or John Wall. Are they? Are they? Is Kyrie going to? Be up to to guard them. He, he's not going to be put him. on them. Are they going to put LeBron on Don't him put Shumper. or Shumper? Mm-hmm. Can they can they hide Kyrie on defense? Right. But then in that in that regard, I think you have to I think you have to find a way to attack their weak points on defense, which is Kyrie. And even though no one really wants to say it, I think Tristan Thompson is not going to be he he's going to struggle a little bit because. I think I think whichever Morris twin is on the Wizards can push him around, <laughs> and Gortat can push him around. So it's going to be more on LeBron to make plays for them if Cleveland's going to win. So I, I, it would be more interesting to see Washington play them because of all the dynamics. I agree. All right, cool, fellas. If we don't have anything else, uh, we can go ahead and start wrapping this thing up. I know there's a. Oh, we still, we still got time? Hey, we got time, bro. I, oh, and I got, got, and I, and okay. I got something right, I got to get you. I got <laughs> something. Hey, listen, on Facebook Live, I'm looking at my man E.D. Elston. Elston, we got to talk about this. He says at, that Kyrie is better than Steph. Okay? And here's his logic behind saying Kyrie is better than Steph. Elston says Kyrie forces the defense to collapse on the dribble drive, which is true. He got the step back also. That is true. He can ISO. True. Everyone is worried about Steph getting off on the three, and Steph relies on the three too much. What basketball game that are you false. watching? That is false. That is totally false. Listen, 
people, and, and we had this talk last week when we got blacked out. People discredit Steph's ability to handle and get to the basket because of his shooting ability. He enamors you so much with the eye on the shot that you think, oh, he can't do nothing but shoot. But if you watch him, he has his handles are comparable to Kyrie's. I, I see you rolling your eyes. No, no, his, no. his handles are comparable to Kyrie's. They, they, is if you want to say one is one, the other's one a. Okay, if one is one, it ain't no one a one b. It's one and one a. Or you can say one and one point one. Okay, so the 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 handles are a wash. Now, does Kyrie get to the basket better? Hell yeah, he does. But here's my thing: Steph is capable of doing that. But what does Steph do that Kyrie does not do? He don't listen. Kyrie finds nobody. <laughs> he don't even look to pass the basketball. Steph is a willing and great passer. He is a great assist man. We you know why Steph Curry don't average double digit assists because he got Draymond Green on his team. Exactly. He has another. He has another, another playmaker another to get to make exactly. exactly. So that's the only reason he doesn't average ten assists. You, you've heard LeBron call Kyrie out because I think it was a game where Kyrie had like for years points and zero, and zero assists. assists. So Kyrie is a, I'm not saying, he, no, hell no. He's a one-trick pony <laughs> on offense. He is a deadly scorer. But to say he is a all-around player in the mold of a Steph Curry is not even close. It's not even close, in my wow. opinion. In wow. my opinion. Hey, you won't get much argument on me with that. I, I agree. I, I think Steph, the way he sees the floor, makes passes with either hand at any time. Head is always up. And he'll get the easy bucket for you. I mean, he will. But Kyrie's going to boogie now. Don't get me wrong. Oh, he going to dance. He going to dance. And he going to boogie. And I, I, before we go, I did want to talk about the point guard thing. And I thought G brought up a great point. Cleveland didn't face a great point guard in those first couple of rounds. Mm-mm. No. And, I mean, who, who's the point guard for the Pacers? Um, Teague. Jeff Teague. Don't and... do him like that. <laughs> Don't do Teague like that, man. He had a good series. Jeff Teague and, like G said, Kyle Lowry was out, so Corey Joseph was left to play. And he's what? Essentially, we talked about uh, it during the break. He's a backup yeah. point guard. He's a good player, but he's a backup. He's a backup. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, like I said, I can't wait for the wall Kyrie Irving match. Yeah. You can we wait on Kyrie and Steph. That, the wall's Kyrie yeah. going to be better. That's going to be a good Yeah, yeah that's going to be a better matchup. They're going to actually guard each other. Wall wants his name up in that, in that talk about top point guards in the league. He wants his name to be mentioned. He's had a lot to – he's been playing with, like, a chip on his shoulder yeah. pretty much. It's like he's he's taking it out on whoever they're playing. Like, he, he had to take it out on Schroeder. Oh, he took it out <laughs> on him. Ooh, he, he opened he up a can He just doesn't him. like him. And with Isaiah Thomas, you know, there I understand there's the, the story. And he's but Isaiah doesn't guard ball, him. But – it, that's, yeah, that's they don't it. guard. They don't he's guard each other. He's struggling tonight, right now. But John Wallace. But that second half, a lot of times we see him turn it up in the second mm-hmm. half. But he's struggling right now. So is John Wall? Is he gonna if, say if they do make it to the conference finals? Is he good enough to get two games from Cleveland? He's two. Gonna, he's gonna need some help. He's gonna have to have a phenomenal night from like a Bill, where Bill just goes unconscious from shooting, and Gortat's got to be give them something. In the inside. They got to get some type of presence. And Dez made a good point. Dez Robinson, what up, Dez? Checking in. Dez said three of those games against Indiana with Cleveland, they, they, they were close. They could have went either way. If, 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 um, if CJ Miles, CJ Miles, no, CJ Miles passes it back to Paul George like he should have, they probably would have got that game. Okay. So I understand 
Indiana has a superstar in Paul George. If you have a superstar on the court, you have a chance. Boston against Cleveland, Boston doesn't have a superstar on the, They have an all-star, yep. but he's not a superstar. So it's going to be hard for them to compete. And then he's 5'9". John Wall is a bona fide superstar. I agree. So he can go out there and win a game himself against Cleveland. Like, he can go head-to-head with LeBron. He can go bucket for bucket with LeBron. Not if, not for seven games, no. but for two, three games, John Wall is capable of doing that. So that's why I say the Washington series will be a better series. Will they even compete to get close to winning the series? I don't think so. I don't think so. I see a 4-2. Game one will be the game because I think Cleveland will be rusted and rested and probably won't have their game ready. If they're going to steal one, of the, that game is the one to steal. Just like Indiana almost got Cleveland yep. in that game. Yep. The, it's always the game one. That's the game. And I think Washington, if they get they get past Boston, coming into game one will be the game that they need to try to get. Let me ask this question since we're doing a lot of looking ahead. Do you think – Washington is gonna get past Boston. I do. I think in the end they're gonna they're gonna find a way to get by. I, like I said, I think it goes seven, but I think uh, tonight because I think Boston's gonna win tonight. Right now they're, they're you know, yeah, they're up twenty. They're up yep. twenty. Is, up 20. I think, like I said, I thought they would win tonight after losing two in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think going back to Washington, I think Washington will win that one, and then I think they're going to pull it out on Boston's home floor. In game seven. In game seven. Woo. Yeah. One last question, and this is a, a personal question. It's not related to the playoffs, but just looking forward to next year. Gordon Hayward, uh, forward for Utah Jazz, he's a free agent. If he goes somewhere else, can he shift, make a slight change or shift in power in the NBA? If he, he goes to Boston. He could help in Boston without a doubt. Yeah. But I don't think he's leaving Utah. The key thing is for Boston next year, no matter what happens, if they don't come back next season with George, Butler, or Hayward, like what what was this all for? And here's the right. thing. I know we're getting short on time, and we I, and I think we're, we're going to be regressed if we don't mention the comments of Michael Jordan about LeBron James being better than him. If you haven't seen it yet, Go to the uh, SRT.com. The article's up. Or you can go to our uh, Facebook page at SRT Radio and read the article of what Michael Jordan said about him, LeBron, not being better than him and his reasoning in it. And it's basically what we talked about earlier when we said, we when Big H.O. called in, let LeBron's legacy end. Now, at the end of LeBron's run, we'll sit there and say who's better. Because what conversation did we have when Kobe was the man? Was Kobe better than Jordan? Yeah. Now that Kobe's career is over, we see Kobe wasn't better than no, Jordan. Wasn't better. He wasn't better. But during the moment, it was an argument. I believe LeBron James will go down as the greatest player to ever play the game. Now, we got to quantify that. Are we talking impact of the game or just actual basketball game? I'm going to put it like this, D. If he goes on to beat Golden State this year, with them adding Kevin Durant, it's solidified. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be more than just an argument. And that'll be how many? It'll be four rings. And that'll be his. And this will be his seventh straight year yeah. in the finals. And yeah, see the thing about it is he he can always say he came back from a three one deficit. No matter what we feel about the Draymond incident being suspended game mm-hmm. five, I think it would have changed it. But if he beats Golden State two years in a row, and then not, and let's just be real, 
these teams aren't going to get worse. Nope. What if they play again? They're going to do it again. And he beat them again. He beats the best team. He beat a 73-win team and then beat them again. Yeah. Got to start talking about it. All right, y'all. Well, we got to roll. All right, audience, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, We'll go ahead and wrap things up. I did want to shout out H.O., of course. Uh, Thank you for entrusting me with your child. Like I said, your baby. This is your show. I appreciate it. Hancock, Sports Superhero, D. Will, the coach. G, thank all three of you. Three of you, of course. I couldn't do it without you. And, um, Hancock, what you got? Hey, man. You did a great job, man. You kept it in the road, baby. I don't, hey, man. Hey. I don't, I don't see no scratches on the car. <laughs> Me and Hancock still ain't bleed. <laughs> it's all good. You did a great job, man. Hey, shout out to everybody listening to the show. We appreciate it. Y'all keep tuning in, man. We'll keep this thing rolling. Uh, yeah, this was this was fun. Um, and yeah, that's all I got to say. <laughs> hey, but uh, um, shout out to you three gentlemen. I look forward to every Wednesday, and uh, we no blackout this week, there fortunately. And uh, I just want to shout out to everybody listening, and you know all the fans and all of that. And if you want to follow me on social media, I'm at G Plays It Cool on Instagram, and you can visit my website by the time you hear this dot com. Hey man, shout out to the crew, of course, man. Shout out Big H O, man. Y'all be careful out there in DC, man. Hey, listen, real talk tees. Hashtag real talk tees. Booming. Hey, we are we cooking with hot grease over here. If you need any t-shirt printing needs, any sign printing needs, anything you need done, hit me up. Real talk tees. You can follow the Instagram at underscore real talk tees. And man, y'all already know. Follow me on Instagram at I am Coach K9. That's I am Coach K as in King. And the number nine. Keep the conversation going. All right. That's it. Uh, again, audience, follow us on, well, at SRTRadio.com. SRTRadio.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All right, hand, let's go. Boogie. I'm headed home, baby. They call me coach because I teach you how to ball. All right. And last but not least, I'm Smooth, also known as the sixth man. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend. And if you didn't. Tell a friend anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we go.